guys. Good morning. Um, I get uh, just the privilege and blessing of teaching you guys this morning, and I don't do it often, so I'm nervous, so bear with me um, as we go through this. But um, uh, seven weeks ago, we began a series on Sabbath, or no, seven weeks ago, see, last week, we began a seven-week series on Sabbath um, after coming off of the Sermon on the Mount, and we really felt like the Spirit of God was like prompting us to lean into some practices of the way of Jesus. One of uh, the ones that just we seemed to continually come back to was the practice of um, Sabbath, And whether that's because it was just such a foreign idea to our culture or because through so many conversations, rest seems to be so unattainable, uh, we aren't sure. But we trust that the Lord, um, for, for him to use this season to speak to us through his word. And like Psalm 23 declares, we trust that he can and he will lead us beside the still waters and restore our soul. Um, before we get started, I just, I just want to pray um, again. I know we've prayed a lot, but I just want to pray again just for some clarity. But Jesus, we, um, we are so thankful for um, just for your word that guides us as we um, lead um, our lives here on this earth, Lord. And I pray that you would continue um, to focus our, our eyes, our minds, our hearts, and our souls back towards you. And as we begin just continually talking about Sabbath and the practice of Sabbath, Lord, may you um, help each one of us to experience the rest that you desire for us. Um, And it's not just a physical rest, Lord. It's a physical, emotional, spiritual just rest in you and in who you are, Lord. And so I pray you would do that and begin even that work in us right now in this moment, Lord. We love you and may you help me Um, Just guide my words and uh, calm my spirit, Lord. We love you. Amen. All right. So what exactly is Sabbath? Um, Pete Scazzaro um, says in a physical sense, Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, we enjoy rest, practice delight, um, and contemplate God. Eugene Peterson would state that Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities long enough to see what God is doing. I think to define it for our own church family here, we believe that Sabbath is a dedicated time that God invites us into for rest in him and for the purpose of flourishing as we stop our own striving to be awakened um, to the reality of God's provision and power. Most people in our culture, when um, they are told about Sabbath, usually walk away feeling as though it's just like another religious burden, or even um, some of us may think it's just like an antiquated rule to follow. So many conversations I've had have gone something like, um, how could pausing actually produce anything, right? Or that just feels like another unattainable thing to try and accomplish. I was one of these people. I remember um, like the first conversations Nick and I um, started to have around Sabbath and um, I started expressing all of my concerns or doubts um, and we were in the middle of converting our garage to a living space in um, Oregon and when the, when, uh, that was when the deep push to really start practicing Sabbath really kind of began in our lives which also meant my skepticism towards it also really started to grow. Um, I had questions, you know, how will I, how will we ever finish this project, Nick? Doesn't it seem like a waste of time to not do work when there's clearly a lot of work that needs to be done? 
There's going to be snow on the ground soon, you know. Then what, <laughs> right? Um, do we just do nothing all day? Uh, these were questions I had, and these were just the surface level questions, not to mention like all the deeper questions that I was kind of stirring with. You know, how do we actually start practicing Sabbath? Why did nobody ever teach me to practice this before? Right? I was 30 before I really started hearing teachings around what the practice of Sabbath was. And as a mother of three and pregnant with our fourth, will there ever really be true rest? Right? Like these were the things like I was like wrestling with. Um, and today I'm talking to you guys about Sabbath and our identity. And in order to understand Sabbath, we must be willing to let ourselves see what is honestly easier to hide from. And that's our distorted identities. We must look into where our identities lie now and where our identities should be. Now, to be honest, uh, many of you in this room could give me very biblical, honest answers about our true identity, right? We're heirs of God, we're adopted into a sonship, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're blessed. And those are great and true. However, and myself being right there on the front lines, um, can't honestly say that we're actually like living into our true identities. And, and that brings us to like a personal matter, which actually takes more than just knowledge. It, I, to understand it, it takes honesty and vulnerability. Um, and frankly, that's not fun. Um, if anything, it's usually hard and ugly, which is why we work so hard to avoid being honest with ourselves, which leads us into Sabbath. First thing first, many of us really do think that this is an antiquated, com uh, antiquated commandment or law. Um, I've asked myself and heard many others ask, like, why should we keep this commandment when we're not even under the law anymore? Um, Galatians 5 reads, um, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Here Paul speaking about the salvation being in Christ alone, not under the bondage of Moses' laws. Right? So yes, we're not. We are not under these commandments. However, we still have the opportunity to flourish by them. It's an invitation. Um, here's an example. My, um, as my children grow, I want to make sure that they learn to eat healthy. So I'm trying to take care of their bodies while also teaching them what is good and not. Um, and while they're young as they are now, um, my children... Um, know that I want them to eat healthy. And um, at meals, they have to eat whatever's put in front of them. They don't have a choice. Um, I limit the sugar and treats that they eat. Um, and much of the food I buy is intentional for our family's health. And they know that mom fills every single smoothie I make with veggies. Um, right now, they must live by these standards, right? Um, in essence, in some ways, they're under them. But as they become adults, Lord help me, um, they have the freedom to live outside of those boundaries and to begin to create their own family boundaries um, or create their own family values. They won't have to eat healthy anymore, they don't, but they will have the ability to choose the path that is more flourishing for their health. Ultimately, that's what Sabbath is for us. We, with Sabbath, have the ability to choose what God knows is most flourishing for us. We're going to look at uh, the two commandments that Nick read earlier um, of Sabbath in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. And we're going to compare those two through the lenses of a holy invitation, this invitation that the Lord is inviting us into. 
So I just want to read the first one found in Exodus 20, um, verses 8 through 11 again. Um, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This commandment in um, Exodus really does bring us back to the creation story, where God instituted the Sabbath by performing it. We must challenge ourselves to remember that God on the seventh day did not rest of tiredness. He was expressing satisfaction. He was not exhausted, nor did he, nor needed to like put his feet up or take a siesta. Um, he was breathing deeply, like he, and, and he sanctified the day and he made it holy. He blessed it. My skewed vision of this was always that like he accomplished all his work in six days, and then the seventh day rested from all of his work. But that's not right. The seventh day wasn't the Sabbath until he made it so. So he actually made something that day, right? Like that's the question, like we have to start stirring. But yes, like he blessed it and made it holy. Kind of was like chewing on this question as I was writing this, but have you ever thought about the idea that creation would be incomplete without the seventh day? Um, it's just kind of like this, this idea and bringing us back to like how he had to create that for us. Nick taught last week about how God, um, uncontrolled and undefined by time, invited us into experiencing him through time. I think what's important for us to understand is that this first account of the commandment of the Sabbath is actually a reminder that God created Sabbath. It was not something that simply was always there. It was created, um, just as like you and I are created. And in the same way there was purpose in his creation for each one of us, there is purpose in his creation of Sabbath. God doesn't create things without purpose and intention. So what does this speak of to our identity? It begins with God's identity, who he is and what he does. And from the place of God, we begin to understand our own identity. Buchanan um, gives like a very simplified definition of Sabbath as imitating God so that we stop trying to be God. When we practice Sabbath, the reality is that we become aware of the fact that every day is us trying to accomplish, create, and complete tasks. Those tasks can be anything from paid work to planning vacations to household chores to refereeing sibling matches to running errands. And we live six days um, a week believing that we are in control, that what we do is vitally important and that our world needs us. But pausing and intentionally practicing Sabbath creates a time where we imitate, as Exodus mentions, what God began in Genesis. And the reality is that when we begin to imitate God in this way, we become aware of the lie that we could be like God. 
aware of the lie that we've sub subconsciously have lived into. To have power over our situations and to control our personal environments or to create pathways to our own personal hopes and dreams. Yet when we meet God in the time of Sabbath, his identity begins to bring clarity to our own identities. Right? Our defenses start to come down and we begin to rely on God more and ourselves less. We recognize our own worthlessness because we see clearly his worthiness. And if we faithfully practiced this every week, imagine how that would drastically change our perspective of our own identities for the next six days following. Imagine living the next six days every single week through the trust in his identity and sovereignty. Which leads us um, into the next um, section of Sabbath commandment was in Deuteronomy 5. Um, and this is verses 12 through 15. Um, and it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male female servants, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male and female servants may rest as you rest. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So after reading that, we see the two, um, one of the two differences in between those two passages from Exodus and Deuteronomy. Right? Exodus is focused on this creation, going back to the creation story. And Deuteronomy we have here uh, kind of brings us back to like them being slaves in Egypt. The Israelites are told to say no to something through this commandment here. They are told to say no to something that they have actually been trained to say, to never say no to. For 400 years, they've been slaves, which roughly means about 20 generations of ancestors who have been forced to work and have been told all of their lives that saying no is never a viable option. It's never even a thought allowed to cross their mind. For 20 generations, um, they have been engraved to believe that their only value in life is the work that they accomplish. The taskmasters over them daily to make sure that they never stop working. Now we fast forward to our own personal history, American history. In 1776, our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence, which states life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And from that signing of that declaration until now, we have only allowed our pursuit of happiness to slowly become a form of entrapment for us until we finally have become so engulfed in it that many of us don't even recognize our own slavery. We have become slaves to what we call a market ideology, where production and consumption are the ever-demanding taskmasters. Production demands us to make more, to do more, to accomplish more, to create more. And then consumption requires that we have more, want more, we own more, use more, eat more, drink more. 
The United States of America fought so hard externally to attain the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How, but how differently would our country look if just as eagerly we sought inner liberty or we pers uh, pursued the things that brought life to our souls or even sought happiness through contentment and not the accumulation of stuff. The most common hello phrase um, that we hear now and it's thrown around with very little meaning is like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm just busy, right? <laughs> most of us, even myself included, don't even recognize that we're even saying that anymore. The idea of saying I am busy subconsciously is like an identity piece of like showing and telling people that I am doing things and accomplishing things, that my life matters because I'm busy. I'm part of this market ideology without even knowing it. Many of us recognize this deep entrampment that it is, um, but we really we don't know what to do about it. We have become slaves to an ideology that has put us into chains no less than Egypt did to the Israelites. Our chains are anxiety and stress that weigh and keep us down. The market, ideolo the market ideology that we live into has trained us and engraved uh, in us to never say no. Just like the Israelites in Egypt believed no wasn't even an option, we find ourselves believing that same lie today. We can't say no. We can't say no to commitments, no to exhausting ourselves, no to chores, no to the ever-growing to-do lists. We can't even say no to what we want to dream or think or desire. We have been trained by our society and culture to never say no. One of our smallest English words has completely crippled many of us. And when we do want to rarely use it, we allow it to bring really negative feelings of shame and guilt and embarrassment. This doesn't just refer to paid work. It pours into all of the aspects of our life. Social media has kind of created us to become slaves to expectations of everything from how you throw a kid's birthday party to how you decorate your house to the family vacation that you want to go on. Um, culture deems us really lazy or ridiculous or legalistic for saying no to um, kids' sports commitments or no to the notification ping on your phone or no to a healthy bedtime or no to another night of binge watching the newest docuseries. But are we really more free from being able to say yes to all of these things? Or is it after generations do we now feel that we're trapped and chained to too many commitments? Ooh. Um, unfortunately, like this, this lives a little too close to home for Nick and I. Um, it was only like a month or two ago where our kids were playing out in the front yard and a soccer ball hit a water line and immediately water came gushing out. And I realized very quickly that unless we shut off our main water valve, it was not going to stop. <laughs> the ball had hit our main water line that was connected to our sprinkler box. This was around like 10 a.m. Plenty of time left in the day to fix it or call a plumber if we had to. Um, and we thought it was a simple issue that um, we could fix and bring some running water back into our home. However, that day was already filled with plans to help people. Right? Moving things from storage for my parents who were moving into a new house. Um, had a coffee date planned with a friend that I didn't want to cancel. Uh, we helped unload boxes and set up some furniture. Um, for my parents also, um, we were helping Nick's sister broke a, f uh, 
uh, fix a broken headlight that we had told her we would fix that day. Um, trying to help our son find some live food for his bearded dragon, which is surprisingly hard in COVID right now to find. Um, but long story short, instead of saying no to any of these things, in t um, instead of saying no to any of these like pre-committed commitments that we had, which were all good things, we kept all of our yeses. We ended up home 30 minutes before dark, <laughs> um, trying to fix our broken water line, but unable to and therefore was unable to have any running water into our house that night. What we thought would be like a really easy, quick fix wasn't, and the in inability for us to say no to all of these other pre-committed things drastically affected the rest of our night. The next day was Sunday, um, church here, and so that night we all took a shower in our little two-person hot tub that we have outside. <laughs> I had to run to the store and buy a bunch of bottled water so that we could brush our teeth and maybe flush a toilet or two. Um, and then the next day was church. We were able to, you know, come to church um, and get everything fixed after church eventually. But um, it was a really good lesson learned. It was a lesson learned of, like, how hard it is for us, both of us, to say no. Um, and this affected us physically, right? But how many times have all of us in some way or another um, become unable to say no to things that actually end up affecting us emotionally, bringing us worry and anxiety, this last week, um, a couple of our kids pulled their money together to buy a soundtrack to the movie Encanto, which is a new little Disney movie that came out, which ultimately means that I have been listening nonstop to the Encanto soundtrack for the last week. Um, Lin-Manuel, who wrote Hamilton, which many regard as like one of the best Broadway shows, um, has recently kind of been brought in by Disney to help write the, all the songs for this movie which means the songs for Encanto are really great. Like, they lyrically are good. Um, but one of the songs um, is called Surface Pressure, and it's, it's not only, like, a really catchy song. I find myself singing it even when it's not there, and I'm like, darn it. <laughs> like, um, but lyrically, it really is unfortunately true for too many of us in this room. Um, I am not going to sing it, but I will read you the lyrics of, of just one of the sections of it. Um, but it's of, of this girl, and she's singing. But wait, if I could just shake the crushing weight of expectations, would that free some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure? But instead, we measure this growing pressure, and it keeps growing and keeps going because all we know is pressure like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Um, when we look at these two passages from Exodus and Deuteronomy about Sabbath, we see very two clear messages, both, from, uh, both very different and just as crucial. Um, to kind of summarize what Buchanan, um, he has a book called The Rest of God, um, and I'm going to just summarize a section that he has in there, just kind of comparing the two, but um, when you look at both Exodus and Deuteronomy, one, one remembers Eden and invites us back. The other remembers Egypt and warns us against the false identities. One is grounded in creation, while the other is grounded in liberation. One is about imitating divine example. The other is about receiving divine deliverance. 
One calls us to a holy mimicry, to be like God. And the other, to a holy defiance, to never be slaves again. One is an invitation, and the other is a warning. We must pause here and ask some really hard and honest questions. And this is my challenge to you this week, is to go home with some of these questions for yourself. Are we afraid of practicing Sabbath because of the fear of being confronted with who we really are? Are we afraid of starting to practice Sabbath because it strips us of our only identities we truly know? The identities that market ideology has led us all to believe is our only value, to do and to consume. Jewish scholar and author um, Heschel says, six days a week we try to dominate the world, but on the seventh day we try to dominate ourselves. Anyone in their right mind knows that dominating ourselves, our flesh, our character is way more difficult than not. Is Sabbath scary because it's a realization of how bad we ourselves need to be dominated? Are we so far overtaken by the slavery of accomplishments that we become blind to God's accomplishments all around us? Have I become too blind or maybe too prideful to recognize that this world will go on without my help? Do we think of our own individual self is so important that out of eight billion people in this world, my job, my friends, my house, or maybe even my church cannot survive or continue without my participation? Sabbath creates time, and in time, God creates. Sabbath creates time, and in time, God creates. What God wants to create in each one of us is unique to who we are, but it begins by saying no to what enslaves us and saying yes to resting in his presence. So many of us are scared to start Sabbath. And why we are scared circles back um, to what I mentioned earlier. We all know too well that if we stay busy enough, long enough, we drown out the inner voices and the spirit of God that is so desperately trying to speak to us. Pausing to practice Sabbath means um, halting all busyness, which also means beginning the ugly realization of who we are. It's an invitation to something beyond our wildest dreams. But the road to get there to tears many of us away. To be honest with all of you, practicing um, Sabbath since moving back to Bakersfield has actually kind of been a reality check for me, and an ugly one at that. I've had some deep discontentment with moving back here, which I hate to say because I love all of you guys so much. Um, but I have learned to so easily disguise and push away or simply even ignore the, dis, um, ignore the discontentment by the busyness that returning to work and homeschooling kids and planting a church has all created. However, every Friday night when we begin Sabbath, it's a pause from all of that. It's a pause from being a teacher both at home and at work. It's a pause from being a pastor or a pause from being the ever-ending homemaker and all the responsibilities that come with that. It's a pause from the taskmasters in my own life. 
Sabbath, as Nick mentioned, last week is a moment in time for us as a family to like breathe a different air. Um, it's ex- to like experience a part of heaven on earth. And part of the beauty of Sabbath is it tears you away from the distractions and false identities of this world and forces you to wake up to what's inside of you. And that beauty is simultaneously the same reason that Sabbath is terrifying for many of us. When we stop our busyness, we start to hear the inner workings of our soul the Lord has been poking at, and it is painstakingly hard and ugly. Don't misunderstand me. Sabbath is my most favorite day of the week. It truly is like this like built-in holiday every single week that everyone in our family longs for. We all look forward to it. And I couldn't imagine life without Sabbath now that we've practiced it for several years. But in an unhealthy season, that moment in time when we light that Sabbath candle begins by breaking down the false identities that I have or the distorted dreams that I have, the lies of what would bring, dis- uh, would bring contentment. And for that, though ugly and hard, I am so thankful for how can I ever move forward in a healthy way without allowing the Lord to help me with my unhealth. And this is just one, just one of the beauties of Sabbath, becoming enlightened to our own self-given identities so that we can begin living into our true Christ-given identities. And through the practice of Sabbath, we are being invited into this beautiful time with our Lord. And what an amazing thing that he invites us to do this through an act of rest, an act of rest in him. His invitation is to be still and know that I am God. I want to end with um, St. Augustine's brilliant awareness uh, that he had, and I think Nick shared this last week, um, but I I think it's worth saying again. uh, St. Augustine says, My soul is restless, O God, until it rests in thee. May that be our prayer as we begin as a family learning like how to practice Sabbath. May we each accept the invitation to rest in him, and may we be courageous enough to stop our own striving and accomplishments to be still and know that he is God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for um, just the invitation that you have given us to step in to rest in you. And it is, um, it is often really scary to stop um, the things that we are doing because the busyness keeps our minds um, away from what you are wanting to do in our souls. May you give us the courage and the braveness to step into rest in you, Father, so that we um, can put away the false identities that we've had. We can find our true identity in who you are and begin living into that in a way that we never have before. Pray, Father, that you would just help us. um, Help us, Father, to continually come back to your word. Reminding us, this isn't like a commandment. You're hanging over, hanging over us, Lord. Everything we have, 
Everything we want and desire has been given to us in Jesus Christ alone. God, you have given us this invitation for something deeper. Pray, Lord, you would help each one of us to accept the invitation you're offering us, Lord, um, of just um, practicing Sabbath, Lord. And each one of us is on a different, maybe a different um, place on the road in getting there, Lord. I know our family, my my own family, just has many things um, that we still want to, like, work out and learn how to do in order to, like, practice Sabbath better and more fully. I just pray that you would meet each one of us where we are on that journey, Lord, and help us to um, just lean into you and what you have for us in this season, Father. We love you and we thank you so much. Amen.